You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. Would you rather be right, or would you rather love someone? And that's it for me, is that me being right is not the purpose of my walk with Christ. Me being doctrinally sound or theologically true or saying the right thing is not of paramount in my life. It is choosing love. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. We're talking through the United series this week, and I am joined by Lead Pastor Jose Abaroa. Jose, thanks for being here. It's always a pleasure to be a special guest. Uh, you are a special guest. <laughs> and then we're also joined by another special guest, Crosstalk Pastor J.D. Wilhelm. J.D., thanks for being here. I'm just glad to be a guest. <laughs> <laughs> you are a, you're a special guest. <laughs> and you're a special guest not only just any other week, but also because you gave an amazing message yesterday that we're going to unpack and talk about as we continue this United series. And so I'd love to, normally I'm asking Jose because he's been teaching uh, recently, but love to hear thoughts as you kind of were studying and just unpacking and personally processing and leading up to the message that you gave yesterday. Yeah, I was full um, looking at this passage. There's seemingly no kind of relevance or prevalence in today's society. And as I continue to pray and read and study, what really came to light is the fact that this is a very relevant reminder for us, that for us to be a church, for us to be people who are really for our city, for seeing the kingdom of God come into this place, we have to be people who are willing to set aside our own ideas, opinions, our rights for the sake of really caring and loving for our neighbors super well. Yeah, no, that's that's really good. Let's just jump right in if that works for both of y'all. Uh, there's a lot to unpack here, but I think one of the first things, J.D., I liked how you kind of focused on was uh, just even Matthew 28 and just talking about going simple and just starting with kind of just even the mission statement and the central calling of the church and how important that is. Uh, not only as we talk about just kind of the preferences and freedoms we're going to discuss today, but just as a whole throughout this whole series. So I'd love to hear both of y'all's thoughts on kind of how important it is to think about just the mission statement of loving God, loving people and making disciples and how that weaves in not only to this message, but also just uh, the, the series as a whole. Yeah, JD, you did a great job talking about how we get distracted by all the little things. And so sometimes we need to remember and identify the main thing and keep it central to everything that we talk about as uh, believers, as leaders in the church, as uh, folks that come into church on Sunday morning and into community groups throughout the week. If we forget the main thing, it really is easy um, to get distracted. And then given the divisive nature of our culture today, it's even easier to allow those things to toss us um, around. And so uh, I, I think you you made a you did you made the point yesterday that we got to keep the main thing the main thing. Yeah, I as I was thinking about this actually, I was reminded. It's, I think it's attributed to Saint Augustine, but nobody really knows who said it first. And it's the old adage in the in the essentials unity in the non essentials yeah. liberty in all things love. And that's what I keep coming back to is like we have to define what the essentials are for us. And that is ultimately when we look at the mission statement of the church, when we look at Matthew 28, these are the essentials. And so in the non-essentials, we have liberty. We have freedom to believe things, to go in different directions, to follow our own passions and personalities and giftings. But in all of those things, the central piece of that has to be love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's how Paul used 
kind of the gospel and the lens of love to assess these different problems and different issues that the church was facing. And so before we get into kind of the food sacrifices to idols and all that, there was this point kind of at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 8, just talking about uh, really verses 1 through 3 that we kind of touched on early on in your message, J.D., about placing knowledge instead of love at the center and just how easily, I mean, Paul is a perfect example, someone that could have done this if he wanted to because he knew so much and had a lot uh, of, of book knowledge and accolades and all that kind of stuff. But I want to kind of camp out here first and just talk about that, that either that balance or just kind of even how do we be careful as we are coming to church on Sundays, maybe reading daily devotionals, absorbing just a lot of books and material and content, because it's a good thing for us to desire and seek wisdom and knowledge. But, but how have y'all two been able to kind of, as you navigate that, uh, both personally and professionally in some ways, how do you kind of keep love at the center and at the top and the forefront? Uh, and so you're not getting carried away by, by the, the knowledge that you're, you're learning. Yeah, I think for me, when I think about it, I need to be people-focused and not task-focused. And so when I become task-focused, when it becomes about the act of ministry, when it becomes about acquiring knowledge or acquiring skills or doing something, even it could be just as mundane as helping out with something around the church, which is a simple act of service, when it becomes about the act and not about why we do those things, that's where I get lost. And so I have to think people first in everything. And so that's the same thing when I hear a Sunday morning message or I listen to a podcast or I start studying. I have to first say, what is this doing for people? And then I can evaluate theology and doctrine and knowledge and all of those things come as a supplement to how do I apply this and how do I take it to love people well? Yeah, that's so good. And it's cool because this next week, a little preview, we'll talk about spiritual gifts. And after all of that information, we get 1 Corinthians 13, which is all about love. Mm-hmm. And so that is yeah. a, a continual uh, trend that we see in 1 Corinthians where he's talking about these issues, but he's keeping love, agape love, the unconditional love of God, where we do something for someone without expecting anything in return. That's the type of love that changes Uh, us and it changes people. So to answer your question, Taylor, for me, I remember my story, how I was loved Mm. in the same way, JD, that you shared yesterday of being welcomed as you were into um, a a body of of believers, a family of of God. And uh, it was this church for me that did that. And from there, the information came, but it was through love that I was brought in. People spoke the truth in love and uh, mentors, pastors. And that's what led to not a, a just a, a wealth of information, but a life of transformation. And I think mm. that's uh, what I want every message to be about. Yes, information is important because that's that's the that's the text, that's the the word of God, but the word of God always brings about transformation. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, uh JD, I, I felt as you were preaching um yesterday, man, there was things, issues that came up in my life where I thought, wow, I, this is this is stuff that I can set aside. I'm making a big deal about this when it's really not that big deal. Uh that big of a deal to God. So that's what we want to see. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like JD, you did a great job uh, just talking of knowledge and love, taking kind of unpacking this issue of food sacrifice to idols that uh, I don't know about many of our listeners, but I know at least for me, it's like not something I talk about or think about very often yeah. uh, and translating that through the gospel into love and kind of encouraging us to do that. But before we kind of dive too much into that, I'd love, we got a chance to talk a little bit before you gave your message about mm-hmm. you had a little bit more of a background just through your studies and things on food sacrifices. So I'd love to kind of just hear you share a little bit of that to our listeners because I feel like, yeah, for me, it's like I, I, it was very informative because I didn't know much uh, about the historical context that kind of I think you helped not only on Sunday, but just that you brought to the table. Yeah, absolutely. I was lucky enough. And this is these are those total God things that when Jose asked me if I would be willing to teach on this and I didn't, I was like, yes. And then I said, what do you want me to teach about? And he gave me this and he's like, I don't know. And I was like, I've actually written a paper about this. Mm-hmm. And so only God makes those sorts of things work. But I do think it's it's very interesting because the main thing to understand about this is like, yeah, sure. It's about food being eaten or sacrificed to an idol. But the big piece of this is it's not just about the act of eating. It is about all of the social and economic and religious activities that happen around those. And so it's about the activities and not the physical act. And so in that way, that's where it becomes something that applies to us today, because then we look at our context and we say, obviously, we're not the city of Corinth. We don't go sacrifice things. But I do see areas in my life where I see all of these sorts of social, ethnic, economic concerns enter into the same place. And so now I can understand what Paul is talking about at the theological level. And that's really what changed the game for me because it was like, well, it's either right or it's not right. And you're like, but there's some nuance to that when you know everything that happens around the temples. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And one of the key questions that we'll, I'm kind of skipping a little bit to the end here, but we'll kind of trace back here this question about what am I, or what are we willing to give up for the sake of the gospel to be a church that is for the city? And so as I was thinking about just as you worked through 1 Corinthians 8, just talking about the ways that even, I like kind of wrote down this quote here that you said, but just despite the bulletproof theological belief that that Paul's basically outlining here, he still is insisting that God is, is less interested in our rights and freedoms and more about the sacrificial love that we give up those freedoms for. And so as we all are in this room trying to strive to do that, to lay down aside our preferences and our freedoms and all that for the gospel, I'd love to kind of take a minute and just think about what are some of the ways that y'all have seen just both in your own life and the people around you, kind of the, the things that inhibit us from doing that. Because I think on paper, we'd say, yeah, that, that sounds right. That's, a, you know, it's a, it's a hard truth to believe, but, but it's like actually applying that's even harder. So what are maybe some ways that, that we can kind of just identify from the beginning things that hold us back from being so open to uh, laying down our preferences and freedoms? Yeah, I think part of that is identifying our own presuppositions, right? What is the stuff that we carry into those conversations or those spaces that inform the way in which we think about this? So is it my past experience? Is it my education? Is it my upbringing? Are, are these the things that come into this? And then when you're able to identify those presuppositions, then you can start to say, ah, that's why I react this way when someone talks about this, or this is what informs this belief. And so for me, it's, okay, what are the things in my head that are subconscious that are controlling the way in which I believe and act in these situations? And then for me, it's the active choice to set those things aside, that it has to come back to, yeah, that could be my experience, but my experience is not 
universal. And so I need to hear someone else's experience because it could be vastly different than mine. And so when I get to hear the heart, even though I might disagree with someone, when I get to hear their heart behind their experience, oh my gosh, now I get to see a fuller picture of why someone might think or believe something different than me. So what makes this text so challenging and so beautiful because think about it, Paul wrote this to an ancient Greek town that no longer exists, or, you know, the city is, it's no longer cosmopolitan. So it's not relevant at all in our history. And yet these truths are incredibly active and applicable in, in, in our life. So these nuances are everywhere. And I think that we're attracted to people that think like us. It's natural instinct yeah, to yeah. draw towards those that have experienced things that we've experienced. Um, you know, we, we, we are naturally uh, forming cliques all the time. And so because that is our nature, our human nature, we long, uh, and it's not all bad because we long towards security. We long uh, for, you know, being known. We have to be aware, like you said, JD, and, and make sure that, that we're laying things aside because there's a greater mission at play. It's not about feeling safe and secure and comfortable. It's about uh, giving the message of hope to those around us in the entire world that will help us persevere through every circumstance that life throws our way. That's the gospel message of Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. that we, because he lives in us, because of the sacrifice, because of his death and resurrection, we now have a peace that, 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 overcomes all circumstances. That's our primary mission, not huddling up and um, hanging out with people that, that are like us. And again, important to do that. But uh, I think that that's something that hinders me from doing that. It's uncomfortable for me to, to uh, hang out or to do something with someone that I have nothing um, in, in common with. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's harder to be in those situations than it is to hang out with people that you know and that know you and um, you can bond about all sorts of stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, that's so good. And like we've talked about just even the history of the church, sadly, there's been so many minor things that have gotten in the way, both in the relationships as well as the church as a whole, um, because people have, you know, just myself included, just haven't yielded and laid those down uh, for the sake of the gospel. But I'd love to kind of just, this may be a loaded question, but we talk about this idea of major, the majors and the minors. We don't want to major on the minors. Uh, and so, you know, I think we can grasp that concept, but, but how do we practically um, assess what is something that is major and what is something that is minor? Uh, JD, I loved one of my favorite parts about your message was the examples you gave towards the end about what it could look like to lay things down. And so whether that's you know, not drinking around an alcoholic or whether it's laying aside our political views to get to know someone. So there's all those kind of examples, but how there's a a lot of divisive issues out there in our day and age. So how do we uh, discern what are things that that are major and what are things that are are things that we can uh, lay aside? That's a great question. (laughs) Gosh, that's such a great question. for me, and even a wise man said about 10 days ago, he, we were talking about this passage and you guys were all there, is what are the hill, what is the hill that we're willing to die on? Yeah. And the longer, and his reflection is that the longer that he has lived, the more he realizes that there are less and less of those hills. <laughs> and I think that that's a really wise perspective in these sorts of things. So oftentimes we can think in our like, 
passion and in our zeal for things that this is the most important thing ever. And with a little bit of time and perspective, you go, that's just not that big of a deal. That is such a minor thing in comparison. And so I fall back and I've lived and thankfully had a model of this in a senior pastor that I in a church that I worked in where he really lived out that St. Augustine quote, that the gospel is the essential. Like that is the essential thing. And there is a lot of liberty in all of those other things. And that the beautiful picture of that is that church was a church where he was a Presbyterian senior pastor. The family pastor was Presbyterian, but the associate pastor was Baptist. The music minister was Methodist. You had a couple of like outside non-denom thrown in there. And it was this huge amalgamation of people. And the reason that that church and that staff culture was able to work is that in the central unity that the gospel was the only thing that we could find unity in. And if we'd started to talk about doctrinal issues, if we started to talk about politics, if we started to talk about anything outside of the gospel, that's where we got lost. And so I think the question of what is the hill that we're willing to die on is the valuable question for us in self-reflection to start thinking about that. Uh, that's really good. And I think one of, if I were to think of scenarios where in my head I've had conversations with people and I start having tension in this area, um, the enemy wants my um, posture to, to be against that person mm-hmm. versus uh, against the argument or against the position. And so as soon as I flip from being for that person and then there's disagreement over beliefs, I mean, yeah, there's disagreement of, of gospel beliefs. So someone that mm-hmm. believes something completely different than Jesus Christ is the son of God and the only way to eternal life, right? I mean, that that is mm-hmm. a closed-handed, absolute, yeah. yes, we as a church need to hold on to that. But the people that uh, are in my life that don't agree um, with that, some militant, others, no. But if I think about, you know, the people that are that are more so aggressive, you know, atheists and, and anti-Jesus uh, people, if my mind changes from being for them to against them, I've, I've lost because Jesus is for all of them. Now, Jesus, he's going to offend. Uh, the name of Jesus alone uh, creates division, right? Uh, but that's on their end. That's not on my end. On my end, our, our goal is to, to be for people always and to love them and to pray for them. And when you are persecuted, you bless, you do not curse. That's the way of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I think it's being aware and, and keeping, keeping in mind that we, we, we need to stay in a posture and headspace of being for others in, in a heart, really. And that's agape. That's, yeah. that's this love. Yeah. yeah, that's perfect segue to my next question, just talking about kind of as we tie it up in the series, thinking about being a church that is for the city. And so, J.D., you mentioned that towards the end and just thinking about uh, the hope that we're a church that's known for what we're willing to give up for the sake of the gospel and not what we're trying to, you know, what we think we deserve or trying to receive. And so I think that's both, a, it's neat because it's both a collective kind of mission, but then it's also there's individual application to it yeah. too. So I'd love to kind of ask both of y'all just maybe if there's like one thing that, uh, our listeners can take away from the application side of it is this message this week. What is one way that we can be uh, living for the city, particularly when it comes to uh, being giving up our freedoms and our preferences? I think for me, I would, I've received, and I, I feel like it's a very common kind of marital saying 
in, uh, in circles where it's like, would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? And I think <laughs> if you can take that and you can twist it and you can say here in this situation, would you rather be right or would you rather love someone? Mm-hmm. And that's it for me is that mm-hmm. me being right is not the purpose of my walk with Christ. Me being doctrinally sound or theologically true or saying the right thing is not of paramount in my life. It is choosing love. Mm -hmm. It is choosing other people and it is being for, as you were talking about, Jose, it's being for other people as as opposed to against other people. And so therefore I don't have to be right. I'm giving up my right and my freedom to be right for the sake of choosing to care for someone else. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better. When we don't do that, I feel like we're not honoring the righteousness that we have in Christ. We're saying that that's not enough. And so we're looking for that approval in other people Mm -hmm. by saying, no, you listen to me because I have the right answer and you're wrong and, and, and I'm right and you may very well be right. But when we are in Christ, when when we have been uh, given his grace, that allows us to extend that grace to those that, you know, don't know that they're incorrect in whatever way or whatever that looks like. So that's so good. Awesome stuff. Well, I appreciate the conversation. Jose, I'd love to give you the final word as we got, we got two weeks left got two in the United left. series. Want to give us a little preview? Yes. The next week is United in Harmony. We'll talk about how to be in tune with the Lord and in tune with one another. And then uh, United on Mission. And I hope that as a result of all of this, we would truly be for one another and for our city as we go out in uh, wherever God has called us. All right. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the Conversations podcast. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email us conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Thanks for being here again, everybody. It was awesome. That's it for this version of the podcast. We will see you guys next time.